In episode 515 with Shervine, we are talking about word magic, something that we've never spoken about on the show before. We're talking about longevity, next level physical and mental health hacks, how to get out of victim mentality, the top essential health and wellness practices. We're talking about detox, EMFs, earthing, watering, essential supplements for all, including kids, Rudolf Steiner, his philosophies, how to implement them into your home, and so much more. The Melissa Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this conversation because Shervine, the creator, the founder, the brains behind an incredible company called Symbiotica is here with us today. I have loved Symbiotica for many years and I've wanted to have him on the show for so long. Actually, a girlfriend sent me one of his Instagram videos years ago and said, Melissa, you would love this guy. He is into all the same things that you are into. You have to get him on the show. So I began following him, got his products, and now he is here on the show sharing his wisdom. He is deep and I love how deep he goes. It's awesome. And for those of you that have never heard of Shervine, he is a well-respected and influential health expert, teacher, and mentor. At an early age, he was mentored by some of the world's top health authorities like David Wolfe. He has committed his life's work to seek knowledge and truth and advocate for keen discernment in all areas of life. Through his platforms on social media, podcasts and interviews, he shares deep insights on areas of studies such as Eastern and Western medicine, orthomolecular medicine, epigenetics, psychology, nutrition, detoxification, biodynamic agriculture, and philosophy to wake people up to their highest potential. In 2018, he founded Symbiotica, an innovative wellness company that designs sophisticated organic natural formulations scientifically proven to increase vitality and longevity by filling the nutritional gaps from a typical modern day diet. Symbiotica's mission is to inspire individuals to take ownership of their health through proper nutritional supplementation and sound education. He mentors world-ranked athletes in nutrition and spirituality. In 2021, he launched his podcast, Wake the Fake Up. Through this platform, he hosts deep conversations with athletes, actors, authors, mothers, doctors, scientists, and thought leaders to provide valuable personal growth insights. He holds the viewpoint of a lifelong student and often says, this is just the beginning. His vision for the future is to continue opening people's eyes to the power that lies within them and regain the sovereignty to empower themselves and their communities. This man is incredible and you guys are going to love this conversation. And for everything that we mentioned today, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 515. And make sure you head on over to Instagram to check out our Symbiotica giveaway. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the incredible Shervine. (music) 
Shervine, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I had a matcha and I had some blueberries and I had our Symbiotica protein shake. That's how I broke my fast with some molecular hydrogen. Okay. Which I'm drinking right now. Yes. I saw you drop something into your water before we started recording. What was that? That was molecular hydrogen, which is a condensed tab that reacts to H2O and basically um, brings out massive amounts, high, high quantity, 12 parts per million of molecular hydrogen, which is the smallest and most powerful antioxidant on earth. Wow. So we want that in our system, yeah? We want it in our system. I mean, hydrogen is part of every ecosystem. It gets into every carbon being. It's the first um, element on the periodic table. And the case studies on it are staggering. I, I've been familiar with molecular hydrogen for probably about 10 years now. And it's been a big part of my practice, especially over the last four or five years. And I'm doing molecular hydrogen every single day. It neutralizes a free radical called hydroxyl, which really runs around like chaotically in the body and it and just causes DNA damage at the subcellular level. We're talking about in the intricate, intricate parts of the cell, deep, deep down. And ultimately, more oxidative stress, more damage, more inflammation leads towards premature aging and all the other stuff. And so molecular hydrogen neutralizes that, balances us out through a redox, you know, basically, system, which is lending an electron. And uh, it crosses every barrier in the body. It gets into the reproductive system, blood-brain barrier, cardiovascular, neuro. I, I'm, I can go on and on. It's, it's, it's one of my go-tos. How many of these should we be having a day? I do two a day, six hours apart, because it, it, you're causing an antioxidant spike. And we don't want to be like constantly hitting our body with antioxidants. We need to have a wave. There needs to be a wave in the body. Inflammation's not our enemy. It's chronic inflammation that becomes a problem, dysregulated inflammation, which becomes autoimmune. And so having a spike, which goes through the natural system, the natural flow of the body, then we're able to like curb that a little bit and lower that oxidative stress. So I, I'm doing one every six hours, twice a day. If it's a day that I'm like full berserk mode, like training, I'm at the beach, I'm surfing, I got the whole workload and it's just like, you know, I'm up late, then I'll be having, you know, maybe, maybe more. But I, I just kind of go with intuition on that. Is there anyone who it's not for? Like, is it safe for breastfeeding and pregnancy, all of that? All of it. It's good for all of that. It's hydrogen, right? It's endogenous. I mean, it's endogenous to our, our realm, which is what I like about it. It's not, you know, some type of synthetic alchemy. And that's the whole thing with what we do at Symbiotica is, we just want to harness nature and understand nature, right? And that's a Rudolf Steiner philosophy, a biodynamic philosophy is like, don't fight it, don't resist it, flow with it on everything. And that's really how I approach my life in almost every sector. Mm, I love it. So you mentioned Symbiotica. Symbiotica is your incredible company, which I absolutely love. I have so many of your products that I use every day. I just took my Symbiotica Zinc before we started. And wow. I think what you've created is just so beautiful because it's so unique. It is so clean, such high quality, high vibrational 
supplements. And I just love your entire ethos. And when I first discovered you, it was actually a girlfriend who sent me your page and you were talking about one of your products and she sent it to me and she said, you need to interview this guy. He is amazing. And then I watched your video and I was like, wow, the depth of knowledge that you have on health, life, wisdom, everything is just so potent that I was like, yes, I have to get you on the show to talk about health and life. And we share a big passion, which is the Steiner philosophy. I have read a lot of his work. We implement a lot of the Steiner philosophies into our home with my daughter. And it just makes so much sense. I remember when I first discovered him, I thought, why doesn't everyone know about this? And why aren't all schools implementing Steiner philosophies. Like it just blew my mind. And I am so grateful that where we have chosen to live, there is a beautiful Steiner school that goes all the way up till year 12. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that that is there because I think if it wasn't there, we may have to move closer to a school in another area, but we love where we live. So we're so grateful that that is close. So I want to dive deep into some of the Steiner philosophies, but How did you get into it? Did you grow up in a Steiner family? Did your parents send you to a Steiner school? How did that wisdom come into your life? First off, I appreciate that beautiful reflection and all the sentiments. And I humbly receive that. Um, Symbiotica is a, I would say, is an organization that from top to middle to the other end, there's no bottom of just incredible souls coming together to really make this happen and to change the face of health and change the way we look at supplementation. And we know the pharmaceutical industry is doing their thing, but the supplement industry was lacking in so many ways. And so we just, you know, we're not trying to compete with anyone. We just wanted to call people higher and do things with, you know, the fundamental truth, which is creating the best formulas we could possibly create and not copy what's trendy, but really be the trend centers and, and do all that. So I, I really appreciate that. And and definitely for me, the Steiner influence was part of the inception of Symbiotica, which was, you know, having super sensible knowledge. You know, that's the core ethos of Rudolf Steiner and his clairvoyance and his scientific slash spiritual science was we must understand the the super sensible things first and foremost before we start gathering into the higher levels of attainment. We have to have root science that's built on the scientific method. You know, it's not built on any outside energy or any desire for an outcome. It's just fundamental truths of this life, like the seasons, like our constellation, like soil science, like how to teach children you know, by curating for them and holding an incubator for them as opposed to indoctrinating them and forcing a curriculum down. It's these concepts that allow you to go through an evolution and go from being just an initiate to being well-versed and well-announced in your emotional body, in your physical body, in your spiritual body. And so I was introduced to anthroposophy at around age 12, I was I went to a summer program. Uh, so I wasn't in Waldorf at an early age. I was I did some Montessori stuff, which had similar concepts, and then went to a summer program where I was 
getting taught extracurricular activities through a Waldorf method. And so it was around that time. And then it was also at that time that I was being mentored by my cousin who was sharing with me all kinds of philosophies. And Rudolf Steiner was one of them. And we started with the bee lectures and really understanding the consciousness of bees and the beautiful process that beehives go through in their first inauguration of creation to stability to then being a pillar in the community and pollination and keeping things in order. And there was a whole creative spiritual perspective on that and how the bees are connected on a frequency level. And that really opened me up into like, oh, this is interesting. And I always had that investigator creativity energy within me. It's part of my human design. I'm a 1-3 generator, which means I'm the investigator. I'm also the anarchist and I'm also the martyr. And so all three of those combined made me a very inquisitive boy. And I, really, I wanted to learn more and find out more and experience more. And I couldn't take things at face value. And that was something that anthroposophy taught me at an early age is to look deeper and to look within yourself through your interpretation of things, which is why Waldorf education is so important. Because at the core of it, the foundation of it, it's really developing the unique faculties that a child should have the ability to unfold for themselves. That's what creates unique beings. That creates creativity. That creates art. That creates beautiful mathematics. That creates sciences. And it's, it's spawned by the self-awareness of who you are, as opposed to having to memorize something that is most of the time irrelevant. And when it comes to the Steiner method of teaching, we're really creating, you know, beautiful minds and souls that can trust their intuition. And that seems to be a muscle that has been lost. And we're not exercising intuition anymore. And when you don't have the faculty of intuition, you most likely don't really gather the true faculty of empathy. And without empathy, then you get a you get a situation where we're at today in our world, you know, where you have so many systems that are literally falling apart at the seams, and you have such a divide in the world, and you have such polarization in the world. If we're all built built on intuition and empathy and our own trust in ourselves you wouldn't have such polarizing world views. You know, it would be more of a flow state where we've learned nonviolent communication. We've learned how to respect ideas and different ideals and things of that nature. But because of that or lack thereof, we're in the situation we are today. And I see it, I, see, I've saw, I saw it 20 years ago. And I, I see it more now. And we're really at an age where if we don't snap out of this amnesia and we keep going down this hole of anger, frustration, rage, deceit, you know, kind of like the Kali Yuga, they say we're in the Kali Yuga, then we're moving towards a, a very dystopian world. And Rudolf Steiner said that 100 years ago, he said 100 years from now, if we don't wake up from this mechanistic material form of thinking, we're going to be entering the eighth sphere in about 20 years. So 20, 20 years on the Gregorian calendar, so 2040, which is actually a false calendar. In my opinion, our, our old calendar system, 
the ethos of the fabric of our everyday life is on a is on a false system, a false clock, everything. And you know, if it interests you to learn more about that, explore. You know, that's another thing is this is not. I, I never come across anyone and try to push my beliefs on them ever. I don't. I don't. Someone wants to go do whatever they want to do and eat the way they want to eat and live the lifestyle. Go for it. That's their karma. That's their decision. Hallelujah. I, I'll celebrate it actually. And I think more people need to get that mentality in. It's just through your embodiment that you're going to teach people and show people through your successes, through your growth. We don't need to be telling people anymore. We don't need to be playing that same game. That's what the mainstream does. It's telling you, it's telling you, it's telling you, it's not showing you. It's, it, it's, it's, it's creating that, that, uh, you know, that illusion, the Maya. If we all just step into our own embodiment and take our own advice that we know deep down inside is in there, we'd be in a much better place. Steiner's work goes so, so intricate on everything from family life to self-reflection to all the different faith systems in there to cosmology, to polarization of good and evil and Christ in the middle. That's actually part of my, I would say that subject is my favorite subject when it comes to Rudolf Steiner because I think it's the most pivotal. We can get into everything about biodynamics farming. We can get into everything about Waldorf education. We can talk about you know, all the different philosophers from Aristotle to Plato and all them and his perspective on that, Hinduism. But for me, understanding the cosmology of good and evil and how we can't look at them through a dualistic view, we have to look at it through a trinity, which is a balance of finding the, the balance in between. That is what, what my opinion is the key, key concept through his clairvoyance that should be taught everywhere and it really helped me out with the way I navigate my life. So I'm making the right decisions and I'm not having to do the same patterns over and over again. That's another thing is like, okay, how many times are you going to learn from the same thing? The universe is slapping you in the face. Like, yeah, I get it. All, all problems are ultimately medicine for you. But like, we can't just keep doing the same pattern and the same medicine over and over. Let's like bust through that plateau and go on to the next thing so we could have a more fulfilling life and show up for our loved ones and our family. So you combine the philosophies with the rituals of health and nutrition and wellness, proper sleep, you know, really bringing that whole into your, your circumference, abundance, understanding that the money systems, all that, it's all part of where we're at. And not living in denial is key. You know, there's just a lot of people that are just, they can't attach to this material world. They're just not, they don't understand it. And I get it, but we can't be too disconnected from it. Then we're just kind of airy fairy and we're up in la la land. And that comes with its own set of problems. You know, you, I've seen that in, I would say the quote on spiritual community where they kind of lose sight of the body and lose sight of what is actually happening in the physical realm. So there's a, there's a nice balance there. So talk to me a little bit more about this dualistic right and wrong philosophy. So are you saying that he believes that we shouldn't label anything as right or wrong, 
Because as soon as we label something as right or wrong, we're taking a position and then that's when disharmony happens. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Sure. Yeah, that, th- that's part of it. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. To get specific, we'll take it more in the sense of what the cosmology is. So, so for Steiner's perspective and through anthroposophy and the clairvoyance, and also, you know, Steiner was an aggregator of information. I mean, he, he studied every faith system. He started with Zoroastrian, which is actually where, where my ancestors are from, which is the ancient per- Persian uh, faith, first known faith that we know of 5,000 years before Christ, um, all the way into, you know, Egyptian to Christian to my, I mean, all of it. I mean, he, he was, a, was a complete algamation of all of it. So his, his take is, is that it's not good and evil. It's basically you have materialism and you have spiritualism. And there are two beings that are part of that. So on the far right, you have the Luciferic being, which is basically Lucifer, which is the bearer of light, right? It's the ego. It's the spirit. It's the God conscious. It's being outside of your bodies. It's in the heavens. It's, it's, it's the blood of the body. It's the heat. And the Luciferic energy, and most people when they hear Luciferic, they think of like a slithering demon or, or something like that. It's not looked upon it like that. It's it's more of a it's a consciousness within the human faculty, and most of the ancients up until 1600s, 1700s, we were living in a Luciferian world, meaning it was highly religious. There was no science. It was just faith based systems, and the wars and all the pillaging and all that was based on who you believed in, right? And so. That is one far end of it. The other far end of it is hyper-materialism. The entity of that is Araman. Araman is the deity of we are just flesh and bone. We are, there's no God. There's no higher being. There's no soul. We are earthbound. We're just bones and meat, and we're part of the earth, and that's it. There's nothing to it. There's no frequency. There's no omnipresent being. Nothing. And you see that turn into what we're dealing with today, where we are now in a heavy Aramonic world. The Aramonic shows up in government, systems, science, which has become the new religion. Think about that. Science has now become almost a faith-based system when science should never be dogmatic. Science should always be, be able to be questioned. Now that's the new religion. Science is governing our whole world. You see that in the medical system. You know, you see that what happened over the last three years, which I won't talk about, you know, what people are going through and what people are, the assault on humanity. All of these things are aramonic computer systems, you know, carbon IDs, taxes, you know, federal governments, military, industrial complex, industrial agriculture, industrial schooling system, financial systems, these are all aramonic. They're turning the human into a number, a statistic. You know, it's making us all into th- this, this level of materialism. Then you have, you know, all the scarcity energies and poverty consciousness and all that. That's all aramonic. 
And so Steiner said that the entity of Armand will be incarnating in human form in the 21st century. And very interesting. And, and my take is, I believe there's accuracy to that, just like Christ was, was, you know, incarnated and Lucifer supposedly incarnated. I think I think Armand incarnates as basically as artificial intelligence and within the minds of men and women because we are already moving towards a hyper-mechanistic, technocratic world. Our entire lives are governed by our phones and our communication is now governed through phones and and we are not sitting around fires anymore and living earth, soul to earth in that energy. It's It's, you know, we're not, we're living in artificial boxes with artificial electricity and artificial temperature controls and artificial lighting and now we're not we're not growing our food anymore it's being delivered to the front door you know it's like all of these things are turning us into rigid beings losing empathy so the balance is how do we understand the human development where we are material and made of carbon and made of earth elements but we also know that we are a spiritual being. And so that's the Christ conscious right in the middle between Lucifer and Araman. And this is a really, really deep, deep cosmology to, to not only get it on face value, but to go into deep meditation with. And we're not supposed to look at these opposing forces as you know, evil, so to speak, but more just the awareness that that's just part of the construct. The dimension we're in, whatever this is, we don't even know where what we're in. I mean, science tells us, but we don't know what this is. We don't even know what's under us. I mean, it's like it's like there's so much that we don't know. We, I mean, we've forgotten what we've forgotten. It's crazy, and we're and we're we're just so stuck on entertainment and pleasure and instant gratification and materialism and this and that that we like we don't have the desire to want to be investigators and be beings that are digging up the earth and figuring out what's going on here. We're just stuck in the rat race and all this stuff. It's, it's pretty wild. I mean, when I go into like my medicine work and stuff like that, these things start to come up and I'm just like looking at this world from this vantage point, like, what are we doing? Like, what is happening here? And so this, this cosmology of the Lucifer Armand Christ impulse in the middle, I believe to be the most accurate representation to where we are today in the world fundamentally as a species and as a consciousness. And the more that you can gather these forms of thought, in my opinion, the easier it is to navigate this world and find balance between materialism and spiritualism. And it's a, it's a really cool, um, it's a, it's a cool ride and very profound ride when you experience it. And I've done a lot of lectures on this subject where I go into depths on it and talk about it. It's um, like I said, this, I think this is, I think this is the cornerstone of, of Steiner's work and what he has brought to the world. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. If anyone has not heard of Steiner, I highly recommend diving into Rudolf Steiner's work. Is there any book in particular that you would recommend a good starting place or Where's a great starting place for people? 
Well, I, I've done a lot of podcasts on it where we specifically get into that stuff. In my opinion, that's probably the easiest entry point because getting into his lectures is not an easy task, especially if you're like, you know, in your 30s or 40s or 50s, you just haven't had that way of thinking. It's a specific way of thinking that has to unlock. Like we have to unlearn, right? That's the whole thing is like, we've been taught all these like different ways of thinking that are so linear where we have to, you, you have to remove that to even get 2% of Steiner's clairvoyance because it's completely, it, it ha, there has, there's no corners to it. There's no right angles. And so listening to podcasts on the subject, I've done many on Lucifer and Aramon and biodynamic farming and Waldorf education and all those things. But in terms of his books, I, I, would, I always say The Philosophy of Freedom, which is his, for one of his first books where he's still... He's not getting into like the occult energy. It's more of the, the scientific perspective. I think that's a powerful place to start. It, it really teaches you what freedom truly means. You know, freedom, we just think, oh, are you in jail or not? But it's, the, it's like, it's, it's your own way of thinking. Is all your thinking been programmed in you? The way that you react to people, the way that you think about yourself, the suffering you go through every single day, what you're feeling when you wake up on the rise, you know, all of those things, the philosophy of freedom really like cracks that open and gives you a starting point. Like, oh, wait a second. What? What? How have I been doing things? That's a good one. And then from there, you know, how to know higher worlds or, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of good ones there. Well, we'll link to those as well as your episodes in the show notes for anyone who wants to dive deeper. But I always say that having children has been the biggest and the best personal development because I have literally witnessed firsthand this pure being come into this world. This She is such a light, like she is so light. She is just the most beautiful, divine, clear, clean energy. I've had so many sessions with different people of like, she's come here for a real higher purpose. Like she's not got all this baggage. She hasn't come with all this karma. And it's so interesting because I literally watched this clean slate be programmed. And it was so interesting this morning, just before we got on this call, she doesn't know, like even things like I said, oh, can you please come here so mommy can change your diaper? We call them nappies in Australia. And she looked at me and she just went, no, and smiled and said it. And I just thought, isn't that so funny? Like she, like usually people will be like, no, I'm not going. But she doesn't know. And she just went, no, like she was saying yes. <laughs> and I just thought it was so innocent and so sweet, like how pure and how clean she is. And that is my, it's my responsibility and my husband's like to provide a beautiful platform for her to truly thrive, to realize her full potential and true brilliance. And it's been so interesting just like, okay, oh, there's a bit of my conditioning. Oh, there's a bit of Nick's conditioning. Oh, okay, let's clean that out because we don't want to put that on her. So I always say like having children is like huge personal development and such a beautiful responsibility and something that I take very seriously. And yeah, that's why I love Steiner's philosophies on raising children and, and the education system. So I just wanted to say that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. 
and you're getting, I mean, I don't have children, but I've, I've been around my nephew and niece. So I was able to like vicariously experience that and see the, the God within them because they're operating with, with that level of clarity where there's really no level of like picking up materialism in the process. They're, they're, they're just so pure. That's one of the most, that's probably the biggest gift you can offer your children outside of like, you know, a roof over their head and food and all that is give them the ability to trust their own senses, to trust their direct observation and empower them to be their own master magicians as opposed to being in fear of whatever it is that they're doing. That right there is huge. And that's a big deal is that most kids, they're, you know, they're, they've been put into a, a rigid system, even in their like internal family life. I'm not even talking about the school systems or state-sponsored school systems. I'm talking about specifically in the family, like like shaming them for have for thinking a certain thing. What you're doing is you're dismantling their free will, and so then their free will they, they're suppressed, and then they can't properly develop. And when they can't properly develop, then you have behavioral problems, then you have anger and frustration because they were never able to express. And so every child is a unique soul that's incarnated and chose their parents for a particular purpose, in my opinion. And so, you know, one sibling is going to be completely different than the other sibling. They'll have a completely different aptitude and expressiveness and design. I've seen it happen before where like, oh, you know, your sister is so, so well-behaved. What happened to you? Or, or vice versa or whatever. And that's just gnarly on a child because they're completely different people. So it's beautiful to, to receive that you had that experience. And she's teaching you. I mean, this is part of your your life school and your life education too. And it's also dropping you back into childhood, mm. which is another cool thing about Steiner is, is his whole thing is we got to be children. At the end of the day, energetically, we have to have the, the concept of, of continuing to be that thirsty child in all things. And that's what keeps us electrical, the body electrical, and it's supple and hydrated. Because the moment you lose the inner child is the moment you start hardening and going into like aromonic decay, rigidity, and, and premature aging. And then that leads to disease, right? Cardiovascular disease, calcium buildup, all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Makes total sense. Total sense. And since having my daughter, I have loved playing again and bringing out my inner child. Like literally before we were recording this, I was crawling around on all fours being a dog. I'm not even joking because she's she is obsessed with dogs. She loves them so much. So we're panting. We're pretending to drink water. Like that is literally what I was doing before this call. And so I have loved it so much getting down on the floor, rolling around on the floor, because not only does it feel really good for me, I know that that's my true essence. That playful, lighthearted, joyous being is my true essence. And the more I let that out, the better it is for, for everyone in this whole family ecosystem. So, oh my God, there's, there's so much that we could dive deep into on this. But I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk about health and longevity. You know, because for me, I want to live a long and healthy and happy life. And actually, my latest book that I wrote with my husband called Time Magic, Reclaim Your Time, Reclaim Your Life. I'm going to send you a copy. You will love it. There's a whole chapter called 
everyday longevity. And there's lots of health hacks in this book. And, you know, for us, like we want long, happy and healthy lives. We want to get to, you know, 100, 110, whatever, and still be doing downward dog. You know, where my parents, they have that mentality of, oh, that's just what happens when you get older. You get a sore back and you get glasses and you get cancer and you get heart disease and you get this. And I'm like to my parents many, many times I've said, no, that's not my story. That's not, And I just say to them, that's not my story. In my head, I'm like, you can believe that, but that's not my story. I am going to be doing the splits, downward dogs and cartwheels until I'm 100. Hallelujah. Yeah, totally. Hallelujah. So, you know, for me, I want that long, happy, healthy life. And in the book, we talk about lots of different everyday longevity hacks that people can do. One of them being optimizing your sleep. You know, it's so important. I would love to hear, where do you see a lot of people falling short with their physical, mental and spiritual health? What are some of the lowest hanging fruits? And what can we do to fix them? Well, I mean, you, you pretty much said the core of it. It's the biology of belief, you know, and Dr. Bruce Lipton's work on epigenetics and understanding that we're not victims to our genome. And in fact, our environmental factors, the way we think, the way we predict, the way that we assume, the way that we project our lifestyles, the water we're drinking, the food we're eating, our surrounding cast, you know, the people around us, how we're sleeping every night, all of those are going to have the main impact on our health and how our genes express into longevity genes or disease genes. And so if your mind is set because you know, you're know you part of whatever system that by the time you're in your 50s, you're going to be degrading slowly. And then by the time you're in your 60s and 70s, it's lights out. Then that's pretty much going to be your reality. That's, I mean, there's your, you know, your religion is what you think, right? And so perspective creates reality. And so we have to figure out, is that the story I want to tell my body? Is that the story I want to tell my immune system? Is that the story I want to tell every cell in my body? Because what you're thinking is what's happening in your cells. All, we know that. Like This isn't pseudoscience. This is real un, advanced epigenetics at this level. And epi means above the genetic profile. And so for me, mindset. Mindset number one. It's really seeing the life that you that you are embodying and that you're experiencing and knowing that you are healthy and knowing that you're you're not a victim victim energy cr- creates escapism escapism com- comes in all forms i believe in my opinion escapism is probably one of the main roots of all disease all health problems all social problems and really what the system has been creating to perfection are avenues of escapism rather whether it's Drama on TV, fear-based news, terrible food, risky relationships, that's all escapism. Anything that takes you out of your presence and out of your, pers- out of your true perspective is a form of escapism. And we call them addictions, right? So an addiction can be that form, uh, that, that kind of form too. So for me, it's doing a forensic audit on your life, really analyzing how you live, how you've been living over the last 30 days how you've been living over the last 90 days, how you've been living over the last 365 days, whatever it is, and and look yourself in the mirror and don't bullshit yourself. Like you have to come to terms with your reality. That's also a Steiner perspective. It's actually Rosicrucian, which is, you know, a 
It's a hermetic way of living where you're evaluating every single thing that you experience. So for example, before I go to bed at night, I evaluate my day. I, I recall how I rose on the rise, what thoughts I had, what stressors came in, how I handled that stress, what parts of the day wanted me to turn everything off and not think about anything. I just, I get into the practice of focusing on my lifestyle and looking at seeing at ways that I can correct certain things or handle them different. We're so unconscious, no one even thinks about what they did an hour ago. They're, they're just, there is somewhere else. And it makes sense. That's why people are getting older and they're like, time is flying by. You hear that as a cliche, the older you get, the faster the years go by. Well, of course, because you're in the same pattern over and over. It's like hamster wheel. And I'm not even getting into the calendar system and the holidays and the birthdays and the weekdays and the weekends and the mornings, all the word magic. I'm not even getting into all that. I'm just talking about we're just not even present. We're not present to two, three hours ago. We're not taking time to practice super sensible awareness, which again is Steiner, Steiner's perspective. We have to have awareness of who we are and what we're doing and how we're reacting. And you know that's why tools like human design and gene keys and all those things, they're helpful because they help give you a little bit of guidance. I don't take it as the full blueprint, but hey, this if this gives me some something that I can work with, I'm using that tutelage. That's how I do everything. It's like, you don't have to go, nothing is religion. You know, nothing is, nothing is cement. We are malleable beings, but we do come with a set of instructions. And so I, I think before we can get into specifics on detoxification and parasite cleansing and activating sirtuin pathways in the body that promote longevity and caloric restriction and how you approach your, your movement, we got to cleanse all the clutter and all the things that we're doing that's preventing us from making those choices to create healthy momentums in our life. And that is the, the process of evaluating yourself, doing a forensic audit. Start evaluating your days, start evalu evaluating your behavior, start evaluating, look at things that bring you the most discomfort, right? Like what is, what is creating the most discomfort in your life? Okay, it's, uh, it's a business partnership. It's my relationship. It's, you know, it's an old friend. It's my relationship to my mom. It's my inability to stop eating food every two hours. It's, you know, all of these things and go and really like, you know, go and really look into that and see what's causing this repetitive cycle to keep going on and on and on. That's the ultimate cleanse. We can get into, again, we can get into deep cellular detoxification and, and methods for that and supplements for that and strategies. But if you're going to continue to pollute the body, pollute the mind and pollute the soul, it's all for nothing. And so I think doing, it, doing, a, doing an audit on yourself is, is the foremost place. And then from there, you know, we can then get into the non-negotiables of lifestyle. You mentioned one, proper sleep. I think that's on top of the list right there. And proper sleep means you got to get up properly on the rise. You got to get up without an alarm. And you got to get out on the earth and you have to have all the sun hit your body. That's what starts the melatonin production and gets the body going and hydration and mineralization and making sure you're getting the right fats in your body and nutrients and 
movement and you're not sitting in a house filled with Wi-Fi and bathing in non-native electromagnetic frequencies and you're mobile, you know, and, and your spine's mobile, right? That's another thing is like functional movements. If you're, if you're, if you're compacted all the time, you're decompressed, you can't, you're not even getting the right emotions and energies and, and nutrition through the spinal cord that are communicating to all the parts of the body. And we know that now through the practices of acupuncture and certain chiropractic philosophies and things like that. These are a cornerstone to having the best health ever and longevity and all those things. So for someone who is in that victim mentality that, you know, not so inspiring, unhealthy thought processes, it can feel quite challenging to pull yourself out of it. How do we do it? How have you done it in the past? What are the first steps? Like, so going into the mirror and doing an audit is a great thing to do. But sometimes for some people, they can't even get there. So what are some strategies and how can we do it? Well, I I think you can create momentum by small things at first, right? So it doesn't have to be, you know, we got to get into the mindset out of this one pill fix all. Instant gratification is really become a disease, in my opinion, into the, into the consciousness. It's seated in there. We want everything all at once. And we're not willing to do the work. But it's the actual work that creates the vision come to reality. It's just like a, a dopamine hit, right? Like, you know, if you just want the, the dopamine, you're you're missing the process of the dopaminergic experience of going after it and putting yourself to the table so you can do the work. And so if someone's having trouble getting out of their their own way, start setting realistic goals that fit you. And those are doing, you know, small wins here. Like, so just look and see, okay, well, maybe this person, maybe I got to move myself away from this relationship for a week or two weeks. It's just, it's not serving right now. It's not serving either people. So that's that's causing some escapism behavior. Maybe I, I need to start drinking cleaner water. You know, maybe I need to find a really epic spring and start getting some spring water in my body, alive water, structured water. So it starts pushing out some of the toxic loads that are building in my body. You know, maybe I need to take a course on how to properly breathe because maybe I've never actually properly breathed in my life. And I'm breathing 50 times a minute and I'm constantly in a sympathetic state of fear and fight and flight hide. You know, that's just that alone could change someone's entire reality. Something like that. You know, maybe I got to stop watching TV three, four hours a day. Okay, maybe that's just not serving me. Maybe I got to watch my social media and see what I keep, what keeps coming into my influence because frequency of vision and sounds and all these things have a profound effect on our lives. We've just been conditioned to get caught up in that form of escapism, which is a rat trap. And we're getting flooded with all of these things. Like the programming is strong. And so do it, do a little audit on what you're exposing yourself to every day. Maybe I need to listen to Melissa's podcast, you know, once a week. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I, you know, everything we're talking about is the the final awareness of I'm worth it. Self-love, 
This is choosing you. Because by not choosing to do these things, you're basically telling yourself you're not good enough. And I'm not worth it. So F it. I'm not worth it. And remember what we talked about with children? Children that are suppressed. They haven't been given the opportunity to like speak what their soul's telling them and how they want to react and do things. If you're suppressed at an early age, you're going to be suppressed here. And so maybe you start doing some, you know, some some ancient work on your child, you know, like your inner child and go see a professional that can help bring that out. Maybe it's time to start writing. You know, maybe it's time to start doing things that you're just not doing that you know you should be doing. I see a lot of people that give a lot of advice and I'm, I can assure you that 95% of them are not taking their own advice. And so that, that's another thing is like, what advice would you give someone not, can you take that advice? And I think we're all guilty of that to a certain degree. And that's a, that's a gr- fantastic exercise. And look, once you start making these little subtle changes, then you start building momentum. And after a week or two, you're like, wait a second, I'm starting to feel better. Wait a second, I'm getting better at my career or I'm ready to jump careers or I'm ready to do something that I have passion for and I'm ready to get into that whole thing wait a second, I'm able to wake up earlier and get on with my day and not sleep until 9am or whatever, whatever thing they're on. Wait a second, maybe I'm, I, I shouldn't be sleeping till 1am every night, cooked in the brain, and then getting up, you know, it's like, all these things start to create momentum. And at that point, you don't want to go and waste it all on two nights of drinking booze, uncontrollably, or Whatever it is, you want to you want to make sure that you're you're getting into a, a healthy routine to support the effort that you've already put in, and that's that's just how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So it's like these little things they all add up, and again, we're we're human, right? We're not machines, so it doesn't have to be robotic. I mean, I have my I have things that I escape with because. I'm putting in 14 hours a day, 15 hours a day, grinding under a lot of stress. I have a lot of responsibility. I'm taking care of a lot of people. I've become the patriarch of my family since my father left us. And there are moments where I want to just go and watch the basketball game and relax on my couch. There are times where I want to just go sit in the jacuzzi and turn everything off. There are times where I, you know, I, I've afforded myself to be able to do these things because I'm, I'm in my flow. And so we can't look at all things as terrible. We have, we have to find a unique balance in our life. And we got to build momentum on that and see what works for us. All of us are different. And look, this is a perspective. You know, I try to bring that perspective as neutral as possible. You know, I'd, I'd really like to get more ferocious with what I, what I really want to say right now, but I don't want to call people out or do anything like that. I realize psychologically is that we're so quick to resist when someone's telling them something. So that's why I'm answering your question. I'm coming from a really humble place and I want people to feel that frequency from me that this is really love. If you start choosing yourself and, and finding that you're worthy of it, you're going to make the choices that are going to, you know, help sustain your life. And that, you know, my, everyone goes, Sherman, are you trying to live to your 500? And I'm like, no, it's not, it's not about that. 
I want to live to a point where I hit peak potential. So I want to see how far I can take my mind and body. And I don't want to be 60, 70 falling apart. I want to feel good in my 60s and 70s and 80s. I don't want to be run down. I don't want to be a shell of myself. I want to enjoy the the gift I was given to have incarnated here in my family and this time and have the the awarenesses that I have. And I don't want to take that for granted ever. Mm, beautiful. We hear you and thank you. Mm. We receive that. Like I can feel that love. So that's really beautiful. We can get into actual health stuff. Yes. I do want to get there. And before we go there, well, this is health related too, but I want to talk to you about stress. Yeah. Because stress and overwhelm are one of the biggest things that is making us sick and unhappy. And it's a spiral that a lot of people find themselves in, this stress cycle, this stress spiral. How can we get out? What are the things that we can do day to day to help stop that stress, that rush, that busyness, that oh my God, the weeks just go by. Like since becoming a mother, the amount of people that tell me this, so they see my daughter and they say, oh my gosh, she's growing so quickly. Oh my gosh, she's growing so fast. Doesn't time just fly? And I'm like, um, (laughs) I never really know how to respond to that. I'm like, I'm just enjoying every moment that I have with her. And I never know how to truly respond to when people say that. But I cannot tell you, it happens every day you bump into someone that hasn't seen your your child for a little while. I'm just like, wow. So talk to us about this stress cycle, busy, overwhelmed. Like sometimes it can feel hard to pull yourself out of it, but it is essential because we can be doing all of these detox practices and taking Symbiotica and doing all of these things, sleeping and all of these amazing things. But if we're highly stressed, it's, it, it doesn't balance out. At all. And when you're in a stressful state, everything will almost turn into poison in your body. There's a great book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And I highly recommend it. I, I read that book probably six years ago. And I always go back and read parts of it. I just it's sitting in my library. And it's a very unique adaptation to compare humanity to the sacred zebra and how the zebra is sitting on you know minding its own business in the Serengeti and within a split second it's got to turn and burn and go from parasympathetic state to sympathetic fight flight hide trotting at 45 miles an hour whatever the speeds are heart racing adrenaline so adrenal glands are exploding heart rate, blood pressure, heat, sweat, all of those things, vision, saliva glands has to explode or else it's going to be slowly eaten alive by a cat, right? And what's interesting is they study this. After the zebra gets away, which is majority of the time the zebra gets away, probably like I think 95, 96% of the time, I forgot what the statistic is. Within five minutes, their baseline numbers, their biological rhythms, everything, all those data points are back to homeostasis. They're right back to balance as if nothing ever happened. (laughs) Now, that's really key because humans are the opposite. We don't have that physical lion chasing us. We just have all this trauma in our head. 
And we're just thinking about all these things. And I get it. The system is wild. We're in a crazy world right now. We have systems that are falling apart, that are antiquated, that are demanding a lot, and they're creating a lot of fear. You know, it's it's hectic. And the whole, you know, the debt capitalistic system does not help. You know, most people are not meditating on the top of a cliff. They're worrying about how to pay their rent or get food on their plate. So they can't even be thinking about eating biodynamic foods and all these things. That's the reality that the urban jungles are real. You know, people are living in slums and it's, it's, it's crazy out there. And so for me, if you're listening to this, it's just really having perspective and really looking at how you're, again, how you're handling stress and what are your main triggers. And outside of a conscious perspective or meditation, you know, it's just really looking at how you've developed and what incidents that have happened in your life that have shaped your reality and your worldview. And so, you know, believe it or not, most people are actually attracted to stress because you're getting a slight dopamine hit, which neutralizes it for, you know, shortly. It's like a drug fiend, right? And which is why, you know, you have a big population that is into the scary stuff. They're into the scary movies. And I was for, I remember I, I used to like it as a kid because it was getting me high. I was, became like a, a junkie because of the horror movies. You know, it's interesting. And today people are still doing that or they're looking at for drama. You know, a lot of people just love gossip. Gossip is like, I think it's like number two or number three in terms of like revenue. Just people want to hear people's meltdowns and and all their downfall and the new and the news the media stations they want to tell you about all the carnage and chaos because they know that's what sells they know that's what's going to get more readers and more viewers and more shares that's how they get more ad spend and more marketing dollars it's just like perpetual like toxic load so how are you handling stress every day you know are you already caught up in that kind of realm where you're just like constantly taking hits of that stuff? Are you drinking like two, three cups of black coffee every day, like unconsciously, which is adding to your stress load, all that caffeine, all that acid that's in the coffee? Are you eating processed foods, which are creating loads and loads of stress on the body? You know, are you dehydrated, which in my opinion, I would say almost the entire world is dehydrated, clinically dehydrated. That in itself is a whole other topic and a whole other rabbit hole that we can go down. And mineralization, you know, magnesium. You know, we keep hearing magnesium, magnesium, magnesium. Magnesium deficiency is worldwide. That's a real pandemic. And magnesium is the mineral that is involved in how our body regulates stress and, and helps balance stress hormones. It's how cells actually communicate with each other is through magnesium ions. And that magnesium has that signature or that subatomic charge that helps that process. Are you getting enough sunlight? You know, like we're wearing clothes and we're indoors. We're not exposed to the elements. We need, we need to have our feet in the ocean, getting that grounded energy while getting the UVA, UVB rays that are activating cholesterol on our skin and turning that into hormone D. Hormone D is part of 
every regulation system in the body, including serotonin production and all, all the things that make us human and happy and, and part of the, the process. Also intimacy, like what kind of intimacy are you having? And I don't just mean sexual, I mean also through your friends and through your family and all of that. Sexual too, the cosmic alchemy of making love to your partner. All of those things are necessities for healthy systems in the body and, and to release endorphins and to feel the natural flow of intoxication through the, through the endogenous production in the body as opposed to something from an outside you know, force. All of those things are what bring us closer to balance. And that's really the key is that, you know, we need to find balance and we need to know that life's up and down too. You know, life's not going to be perfect. It's how we, it's how we react to those stressful situations that gives us, I would say, the, the ability to, to walk through or to navigate through life with ease and grace. And so all, all of these things play their part to perfection. And I feel like it comes back to self-love and worthiness because when you feel worthy, you're going to do those things for yourself. You're going to fill yourself up. You're going to take that time, invest in yourself. Yeah. And I know for me, like my daughter can hurt herself and one day I can walk over very calmly I can get down on her level. I can hold her and I can say, I'm here for you, darling. And I can really hold her while she cries. And then other times she can fall over. And if I'm exhausted, if I haven't filled myself up, it spikes my cortisol. I rush over to her. I freak out. Oh my God. Da, da, da. My husband's like, calm down. She's okay. Yeah. Like, calm. So it's interesting. I can see the same situation. I react completely differently depending on how full I am. That's it. That was a perfect example. Totally. Right? So that's making sure that you're on your game with your disciplines and not being unconscious because it's the, the unconsciousness is what, what creates dysregulation and creates those hyper reaction, reactions. And then you're teaching your daughter how to not how to respond to stress because she's basically absorbing all that you are she, her brain's in you know theta wave right which is curiosity imagination and some form of replicating everything that she's experienced uh kids from the third trimester to age seven are mo mainly in theta when they're awake and so they're sponges they're complete sponges to to your experience and it and also to speak on your experience the more present you are with yourself, the more you're going to just be able to handle all those things. That's the key. That's why Navy SEALs, you know, train the way that they train. They're, they're, they're creating that muscle so when shit hits the fan, they're still able to carry out their job, right? That's what separates the, the best basketball players, the best football players, all that is the, the, the separation is it's all mental. It's how do you handle those stress, stressful situations? It's why we jump in, you know, like, for example, we jump in the cold rivers or cold plunges or whatever. What, what's the point of that? You know, it's not just to reduce inflammation. It's to put yourself in a position where your body is going into hypothermia. So your body is, you know, fighting to survive. We call that hormesis, right? That's that which does not kill you makes you stronger. So it's a hormetic experience. And that's why fasting is healthy for you because it activates survival. 
you know, jumping in cold rivers activates survival. It's that, it's that muscle that you're building. So I always say, what's the best thing you get out of cold plunging? Well, it makes me less of an asshole when I'm driving because, you know, terrible drivers. Like I, I always say this funny joke, like I could go do a Vipassana for 10 days or, you know, ayahuasca in the jungles, whatever it is, just put me back in a car in Southern California and I become a rager again, just like that, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, that's something that's within me for whatever reason. It's just people that don't know how to drive that are dangerous on the road. It gets me, <laughs> but because I'm going into a stress survival, like rush jumping in cold plunges and doing that consistently, that driver that cut me off, that almost killed me on the road, doesn't really bother me as much anymore. You get what I, you get where I'm going, going with that? hundred percent. So, yeah. It's just so like exercising these things. That's why it's so important that we like grow our own garden. Why children are involved in that. It's not just to make, okay, now we're going somewhere good. Okay. Here we go. You ready for this? You're, I don't think you're ready. I'm ready. ready? Okay. I am freaking ready. Right. And, and like, I feel like this is all been good. Like, yeah, go dive in. <laughs> so biodynamic farming, biodynamics, the whole cultivar of biodynamics is you are engaging in a human connection with the earth and the cosmology and the herbs and the crystals and the spirit and the waxing and waning of the moon and how all our solar system works. It's all integrated in this perfect soup to create food. And Steiner didn't create biodynamics, the structure of biodynamics, to make and design the most mineralized food. He did it to build the human faculty of life within human beings and children by giving them stewardship of the land. That was the, the, the focus on biodynamics. So a child that knows the hard work that goes into a closed loop system farm and you have to do everything to these specifications to the sacred cow, to the golden manure, to the yarrow, to the herbs, the biodynamic preparations, the, the spiral actions of, of, of all the stuff. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. It's really, really, it's, a, it's an art. That creates a level of awareness within a child that now they have empathy for food, right? And they have empathy for other things because they know what it took to cultivate this. Biodynamics was designed to really create stewards of our world. The human civilization has already created, we've already self-labeled us as the smartest beings on earth, apex predator, the dominating force, blah, 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 blah. That's great, fine. You want to do, you want to call that that? But if that's the case, we have to truly become stewards then. We've got caught up way too much into hyper-materialism and technology where we've lost like the faculties of how to really survive, how to rewild, how to start fires in nature, how to understand how to douse land to, to find spring water, how to grow food and keep soil healthy, how to, you know, all these things. And so those are our micro stresses. Being in the garden, working your tail off, getting up at 5 a.m., knowing when you have to sow the seeds and, and plant and harvest, how, how to, to do all those things. That's not easy work. It's not. It's not sitting on your iPad and playing tic-tac-toe and 
you know, garnering strength or willpower. There's no, you know, intestinal fortitude that's being take place when you're just sitting in a technology and sitting by the computer. Getting out there is hard work. It's not easy. We have a biodynamic farm in Hawaii and we grow every superfood in the world there. And it takes me some time when I, because I, I, I'm not there full time, but when I get there, it takes me a few days to get back into the swing of things because it's not easy. I don't care how athletic I am. I don't care what shape I'm in. I don't care all the meditation, all that stuff. To get back into the energy of being on the land and digging and and chopping and and repurposing and planting, that's, that's serious energy and, and it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work. And so I'm using the garden as an example. If anyone's listening to this, the best thing you can do for yourself and your entire family is to start a, start a garden. And that's building micro stresses. You know, if mites attack, we got to know what to do. If there's some you know, invasive thing, we got to know what to do. Because our lives are dependent on that. That's how we eat. So these are, these are muscles and faculties that change the way we become adults and how we evolve into adults. Take me a inner, and look, this is not to diminish anyone, but take me someone who's, you know, been working on the land for 12, 13, 14, 15 years of their life that understand the demands and all these things versus, you know, a child that has had never had access to that, doesn't even understand the concept of food and how and where food comes from and all that. And, and just see their progression as, as full entire beings on how they handle stress and how they handle different things. So again, back to the Steiner thing, I think we are in a material world. We are in a scientific world. There is technology here. You and I are in different parts of this realm, the, this plane of existence, having this conversation. That's incredible. I think today we can find balance and we have to find balance between those two worlds. That's going to put us in a position to to live a life of, of much more harmony. Yeah. So beautiful, beautifully said. I truly believe that one of the most beautiful gifts we can give our children is a garden. Yeah. Growing your own food. I think it's such a beautiful thing. And we've just recently moved house. So we've been able to do that. And we've got banana trees and mango trees and grapefruit trees and planted some things in our garden. And, you know, every morning we go out there and her favorite thing on earth is bananas. Like she would eat 10 a day if I, if I let her go for it. And uh, every morning I say, let's go check on the bananas. And we'll go out there and I'll say, are they ready? And she'll go, mm, soon, because they're still green. And I say, what color do they have to turn? And she'll say, yellow. And it's just so beautiful. Like, it's just so beautiful. She understands. I love it. And I wish I had have had that growing up. And so I think truly one of the most beautiful gifts we can give our children is, is some sort of growing veggies or herbs or whatever it is. And if you don't have a backyard or a garden, growing something in pots out the front of your house, however you can, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful gift to give them. I would love to hear, there's so much I want to talk to you about, essential supplements for everyone. Like if you had just a few that you could gift people, like what are your top three or four that you would recommend? So I think 
we've gotten definitely very specific on our formulations, especially as of late. Very, very gotten. We're we're, we're cracking codes over here. Symbiotica 3.0 is is pretty impressive and very excited about it. But I think universally, if someone's new to Symbiotica and just needs to start off on the basis, it starts with our D3K2 CoQ10 formula. That's a very, you know, I would say formula that can help everybody. It can help mothers, it can help kids, it can help people later in life and early in life. It's just one of those fundamental products that everyone should be on for obvious reasons. And that one is just, we put a lot of love into that product to make it the the highest quality from the highest raw materials and sourcing. Also, our methyl B12 formula is the best in the world by far. I have all the top number one athletes on it. I'm on it every day. We have three forms of B12 in that product. Three. And most people don't even know there's different forms. We have methylcobalamin, adenosylcobalamin, and hydroxocobalamin. Three different forms. All of those have a different action in the body. Along with that, we have vitamin B6 pyridoxine in there as well. And we have L-methylfolate. And this is all in liposomal form. And it's all organic compounds. And we don't use weird preservatives and flavor systems. Everything is earthbound. And it's just a really epic product. That, that thing's very universal. I take that one. You take that one? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can't properly methylate, which is a form of detoxification. It's actually at the center point of detoxification. They might have you know some variants of the MTHFRG mutation and things like that. So that formula really comes in hand, but it's good for everybody. I love our magnesium. I mean, we talked about magnesium and how important it is. Well, we're very deficient in magnesium in our brain. Very deficient. That's the last place that would that would uptake a mineral. So we're already deficient, you know, worldwide in our body, but it's hard to get it into the brain. So our magnesium uh, was developed at MIT. We were able to get the patent on that. It's called Magteen. It's one of our top sellers. You know, we're delivering 1,300 milligrams of magnesium L3-inate, which is the threonic acid of magnesium. And this form of magnesium has a really high clip of crossing the blood-brain barrier. And so that's just a, an epic formula that gets into the brain that you feel, lower stress, you know, pulls out things that you don't want in there. It's, it, it's, it's a great great formula. There's so many. I was just, my mind's like, oh, there's so many to talk about. But the molecular hydrogen that we talked about earlier, our omegas are fantastic. Our plant protein is fantastic. So, so many to choose from. Our glutathione. Okay, I forgot about that one. Our glutathione PQQ CoQ10. That's an incredible product. You know, it just does so much in the body. Our probiotics, our pre-probiotics are fantastic. You know, our, our whole thing is we're not trying to make every product out there, but if there's an opportunity to, to make something that's best in class, we're going to do it. Mm. Your products are world class. They truly, Thank truly you. are. They truly are. Are they all pregnancy and breastfeeding safe? Not all of them. A big majority of them are. Whatever is not, it's, you know, it's properly explained on, on the packaging and all that stuff. But there's probably three or four products that we don't recommend during pregnancy. Okay, cool. And that's all on the website, I'm sure. So, yeah, that's all there. Also, we have our Sheila G. We, we, this is really cool. So 
Sheila Jeet, Conqueror of Weakness, the cornerstone of Ayurveda. I've known Sheila Jeet since I was 16 or 17. I was like, whoa, what is this black stuff? You know? We have it. My husband has it every day. I'm not, I'm not every day. <laughs> That's fine. As long as you're getting it in a few times a week, you're good. If you're a coffee drinker, you definitely want to be on Sheila Jeet just because coffee pulls minerals out and it's so acidic. But Sheila Jeet is just powerful alchemy and it's basically fulvic acid and humic material and it's earthbound and it's just filled with so many absorbable minerals. It's, uh, it's awesome for both men and women. Yes, absolutely. What about kids? What are your beliefs around supplementing with kids? Currently, my daughter only takes a plant omega. We don't supplement with anything else. Like she eats all organic, super clean. But yeah, what are your thoughts on this? And do you recommend, you know, what age? Talk to me about kids and supplements. Well, usually our, our take is the child should be getting most of the nutrition from the mother, right? Which puts the importance on what's going on in the mom's body, right? This is whilst starts, we're breastfeeding, yeah? That's right. Yes. And we really have to understand the health of the mother. That's why it's so important that, you know, if you're, you plan on having a child, that you do the forensic audit on yourself and you see how you've been living. Even stuff you were doing 10 years ago can have an impact, you know? And let's say you have terrible oral health or you have amalgams in your mouth and that's a problem. Like probably, in my opinion, you should probably wait and get that all sorted out before having children. Um, If you are in a position where you're not producing milk and and all those things and supplementation is, is very, can work, but you have to use discernment because there's a lot of kid supplements out there that are, are just, insane. And I have a real problem with it. And um, I don't try to call anyone out, but there's just a lot of bad actors in the game. You know, it's been a race to the bottom in the supplement industry. And so you you have a lot of kooky stuff out there. Um, For me, we're actually working on a pediatric line. This is something that we've been working on for a few years. And the reason why we don't have it there is because we're taking this very serious. There's also a lot of regulatory stuff that we are serious about that a lot of groups just seem to have passed up and uh, you know they're kind of asking for it. When it comes to children, regulations should be very strict because we're dealing with a very unique immune system and a, and a body that hasn't really built a lot of self-defense. And so our formulas that are compatible with children is our omega formula, our D3K2 formula, our B12 and things like that. Currently, you just reduce the dosages on them but we are, I'm a big fan of getting healthy fats in children. Um, some people ask me about raw milk and, and things like that from like a goat. If you're going to do raw milk for a children, you probably want to do it with a goat and see how they react to that. We are working on a, a zero to 12 month tincture for children, which is very simple. It's got microscopic amounts of plant-based D3 in there. Also a probiotic, which is really, really good for them. We're also working on a few other variations for age one to three and and four and up. And it's just, it's not overburdening the child, but it's just keeping it very simple and making sure they're getting all the essentials in. So that's my take. A lot of coconut fat, you know, things like that. The fruits, you got them on the, you, you you get them on the fruits and things like that. Healthy meats, clean sources. I don't know 
if someone's vegan or not. I have my opinions on that. I'm a qualitarian. I don't know if we went over that, but that says it on my profile. I've been a qualitarian my entire life. And uh, that means I'm, I'm flexible. You know, I'm, I, I go with the seasons and I go with what feels good in my body. Yes. And do you feel like, you know, we need to supplement because a lot of the mothers are coming from that depleted place to start with. And then obviously there's the depletion in the soils and things like that. And obviously water not being as clean and not having all of the minerals. Do you feel like that's why we need to supplement children? And in my program, I've got an online program called Holy Mama, and it teaches women how all about conscious conception, about pregnancy, empowered birthing, mm. restorative, blissful postpartums, and conscious parenting. And in the conscious conception module, we talk about priming your body, mind, and soul way before you're even ready to conceive. And we talk mm. about getting your body, mind, and soul in alignment. So I love that you touched on that. You know, it takes time. You don't just go, okay, cool. I'm, I want to make a baby now. We need to do the work on ourselves. So I love that you're on that same page there. But tell of me, course. do you feel like it's from the soil, from the depletion of the mother? Because, you know, decades ago, we wouldn't have been supplementing with all of these things for our children. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I, I think it's it's been expressed so much out there. And I've said this before on at least probably 100 live lectures. In the last 130, 140 years, we've completely changed the fabric of our soil. I actually have Dr. Zach Bush will be at my house in a few days, and we're going to be going deep on, on my podcast on the Wake to Fake Up. And I'm sure this is going to be the cornerstone of our conversation is that we are in a depleted realm right now. Industrial agriculture has stopped the proliferation of na natural biotics and, and enzymes and factors that are necessary for not only us for us to survive, but for us to thrive as a species. We're not getting those bacteria strains and intrinsic factors within the GI tract we're not getting those healthy fats and polyphenols and all the different antioxidants that we were before through our food. That's the only reason why I created Symbiotica. And, and ultimately, we created the best team with Symbiotica was because we knew that there were deficiencies out there. And deficiencies sparked a lot of problems. The concept or the, the study of this is called orthomolecular medicine. Orthomolecular medicine is the study that a lack of nutrients leads towards disease and a breakdown of disease. And so we do need to supplement if we're not getting the earthbound nutrition that we should be getting. Now, there's a difference. You know, someone that's living up in the, the highlands or mountains of Hawaii that are on volcanic soil, that are growing their non-hybridized seed systems and foods, and going that route, they probably need less supplementation than someone on the other, other end of the spectrum. At the end of the day, science, like real science, has brought us pretty far in terms of supplementation and nutrition. And so we're now able to do things that we never had before to a certain degree. And this is creating higher peaks. And so I'm, I'm also on that tip where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we might 
have access to healthy food and things like that, but I, I want to be able to get this form of magnesium in my brain. I want to get phosphatidylcholine in my body where I don't have to eat 40 eggs a day to do that, you know, whatever it is. It's just there's certain nutrients like NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide, you know, things like that, or glutathione, things like that. There are compounds that are prolific in their action and that, do, that take us into parts of our body that we might not have ever expressed through just food. And so there are there's different, definitely different ways of thinking that. In, in terms of children, again, you just got to get them on the land, got them, get them around good food, good music, a lot of good, healthy sun. Um, and uh, if the mother is lacking nutritionally or has lacked nutritionally, and it's just, again, it's also being honest with yourself, then I highly advise, you know, really, you know, operating with discernment on your supplementation and getting the right nutrients. And especially if someone's plant-based. If someone's plant-based, then there's certain B vitamins, there's certain omega fats, things like that, where you definitely want to supplement. But even if you're not plant-based, you because I'm plant-based, yes. you still want to supplement with bees anyway because of the soil, don't you? Yeah. Again, it's really, it's just depending on who's listening to this, mm. right? I would say more people are not are not getting the adequate amounts of nutrition in their diet, if we generally generally speaking, and that's a that's a bummer. That's a misfortune, you know, because 120 years ago, all the food you were eating, either you grew it or your neighbor grew it, right? Today it's opposite. Less than I think the last statistic was less than an eighth of one percentage are actually getting food on that level. They're just getting it from a, a grocery store. And that goes back to biodynamics. What does that mean? That not only are we getting the worst food ever, it's not even food, but the human heart is not in the earth anymore. See where I'm going with that? That's a big deal. That right there, that's, the, that's the, I think, the most impact, at least in the long run. We'll see. So it's just knowing what you're eating. If you have farmer's markets around you, which most people do, you can find a farmer's market, go and talk to the farmers. Go pick their brain. Ask to come see the farm, learn their practices, get involved. It's like, it's like we, go, well, we want to get involved in so many other things, but we don't care about what we're putting in our body. <laughs> it's like, how do we get in that level of illusion? It's, 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 it's a trip, but it's, we just got programmed that way because it's easier. It's like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. I just want to get satisfied quick. And look, we all are part of that. I've, I've had the same issues with myself. You know, there's moments in my life where it's just the easier way out and this and that, we're, we're not perfect. But we just have to get into a, a system of starting to care, especially if you're planning on bringing life into this earth. 100%. That's a responsibility. Absolutely. I talk so much about going to your local farmer's market and yeah, ideally growing a lot of your own stuff, you know, the next best option, go to your local farmer and ask them, drill them. Is this produce sprayed? What are you spraying? Tell me. Like, Very you, least. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's another subject. Yeah. Oh my okay, God, yeah totally. That's... Like awesome. And then, you know, some of them are like, yeah, we spray neem oil. Okay, cool. What is neem oil? What does that do? You know, like so many different things. Like I drill them and I ask, even though I go to the same ones each week, I still ask because there's different people there. 
There's different people working there. Like some of the markets, they're like, oh, these raspberries are sprayed, but these ones aren't. I'm like, okay, cool. Why? Why? What's happening? Tell me what the process is here. So ask questions. You have the right to ask questions of where your food is coming from. You have the right. Don't be like, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to ask. No, you vote with your dollar and you you are making a big statement every time you hand over your money. You're saying, I believe in this corporation. I believe in this farmer. I believe in this company. I believe in their ethos. You vote with your dollar. That is why I will not go to a supermarket. I, I can't. I just can't. That is why I only go to the farmer's market. And then we've got like a little organic local shop where I'll sometimes go and get some other things. But we vote with our dollar and it is so important. And you are worthy of asking questions about what is being sprayed on your produce. Absolutely. hundred percent. Hallelujah. Another hallelujah. (laughs) Taking ownership and practicing another form of self-love. I mean, the more people that are embodying that, that's how systems change. That's how things evolved. If there's no demand for it, what incentive does any group have to produce it? That's the problem. And that's why we have to go back to the medium-sized farms. And that's a worldwide shift that needs to happen. Yeah. And I've asked to go to some of the farms and I've been to one of them. I haven't been to all of them, but I highly recommend doing that. Just this week, the avocado lady, she said, come out to the farm. And I was like, I would love to. So I'm going to go out to the avocado farm where we get our avocados from each week and see how they are grown. And she's like, come out whenever you want. They want you to come out. They love it. So ask to go and visit and they will show you what they're actually doing, their practices. You will learn so much. Take your kids. It is so insightful and such a beautiful thing to do and gift that you can give yourself and your children. And like, what else? Like, don't go to the cinema. Don't go to a games arcade, go to your farm. Yeah. Like let your escapism be in the, in the world of creation and learning and food systems. Let that be your, that's like, that, that, start getting into that habit. Absolutely. And watch the appreciation that unfolds to, in your children's eyes and their awareness and watch how they start talking to you differently mm. and start expressing differently and having more reverence. You don't need to, you, you don't need to like, beat a child into submissiveness, they'll start building that faculty within themselves of control and balance through those types of practices. You get what I'm saying? It's like we're pushing our child to be obedient when there's no, there's no backbone for them to become obedient. It's just a force thing. Whereas you put them in a farm setting and they start seeing things and learning things and appreciating things, then their level of balance and the way that they handle themselves starts to organically go there. It's epic. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, I've got some rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay, let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world. So for that like 16, 17-year-old, what book would you choose? The Laws of Resonance in the DNA Field. It's uh, an easy read. Probably read it in a day and a half, if not sooner. And it's breaking down what the true law of attraction is and how the law of attraction works on a frequency level. It's phenomenal. I've probably referred that book out 
the, the guy that wrote it, Pierre, I should know this. He should send me a thank you card. <laughs> but in actuality, I'm thanking him for putting together that work because it's just phenomenal. It's really, really puts you in the perspective that the way that you hold yourself is really how you're going to call everything into your life. You know, that's again, that's biology of belief and your frequency, like, you know, like attracts like. You know, if you ha- you're operating with this level of integrity, you're going to bring people with integrity around you. You're operating with a criminal element, you're going to bring criminals around. It's, it's not rocket science. It's not cosmic. It's just a natural law, part of this realm we're in. And so it's, it's epic and real, like how to like truly tap into your own manifestation. It's not woo woo. It's like real practical approach. It's epic. Mm. Oh, I can't wait to read that. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Okay. Three little quick rapid fires. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Just one thing that people can start. Sprint. I love it. I think that's probably the healthiest thing you can do immediately is find a field or a beach or wherever and do 10 sets of 40 to 50, 60 yard sprints at full speed and rest two minutes in between. That's probably the best thing you can do immediately. Yeah. And it's free. It's free. (laughs) Okay. Next one. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Get organized. Organization is key. I mean, organization is, is key for everything we talked about, to be honest with you. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not organized, I'm talking like clutter in your life, clutter in your phone, clutter in your email, clutter on your laptop, clutter with friends, all that stuff. You're just not going to be able to focus and have discipline. So if you're someone that is calling in more abundance, which is currency, which means a current, you need to have openings for that current. And it won't happen if you're cluttered. So Mm -hmm. organization is key. Look at your closet, look at your bathroom, look at your bedroom. Look at your garage, all those things. Those are things that I have to always remind myself. If I leave something out or whatever, those things start to build up and they, they clutter my mind. So that's key. A hundred percent. And for some people, it doesn't bother them as much, although they don't. maybe they're just unaware that it actually is subconsciously eating away at them. So for example, before we started recording, my nanny called in sick today. So one of my best girlfriends has come to the rescue with her daughter. And she's come over and they're currently playing out in the garden out the back. And uh, she walks into my office and she's like, wow, it's so minimal and clean in here. Literally, I've got a stand-up desk and my lights and camera and microphone and nothing else in here. And she's like, wow, babe, like, where's all the stuff? And I was like, no stuff. I can't work in that sort of environment. Like for me, it's just too overwhelming and stressful. I need clean, clear, like every time someone comes to our house, they're like, you don't have any stuff. (laughs) And that's the way that I like it. My husband's like, he doesn't mind like a little bit more. It doesn't seem to overwhelm him as like much. But for me, I'm like, no, I have to have nothing out on the benches, nothing. It's just, yeah. External clutter creates internal clutter. And we talk about this in time magic. It's, It's paramount for your health, for your mental health as well. Absolutely. How you do anything is how you do everything. I love that. I love that saying. 
Okay, last rapid fire. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Well, it starts with self-love. You know, so that's that's first and foremost. It depends on how we define love. If is it desire of love, of wanting to feel love or be loved or having more intimacy or to feel it in our own heart. I think they all kind of are rooted in the same place. You're not going to have true intimacy if you're not seeing it within your own self and, and practicing self-love. And I can't keep hitting that on the nail over, over and over. It's, it's, it's really at the root of everything. And it's the true practice of self-love, which is going to create true intimacy. Intimacy is, it's, I mean, it's word magic. Into me, you see, right? And so if you're practicing self-love, that's what your intimate partner is going to see. And that's what they're going to want to channel back into you and back into themselves. And that's what reunion is all about. Union begins with, you know, your your own self. That's that's how you build. If we're meeting each other empty, then you're just trying to steal from each other and it becomes parasitic or vampiric or whatever. And again, that's that's a social conditioning right now. That's a whole nother podcast where we can get into the parasitic energy out there. So to have true intimacy, we our cups have to be full. And in order to fill that cup, we have to be organized, clean, and practicing self-love on a daily basis. And, um, you know, to, to discover enlightenment, you chop wood, carry water, and then you become enlightened. And then the next day you wake up, you rise, and then you chop wood and carry water. So th- this isn't something that you, ju- you just reach, you pass a certain line or a threshold, and there you have it. It's a daily practice. It's a daily, you know, it's a cycle practice. It's a every, it's, it's something that is, is constant and it's just got to get into the habit of it. Mm, absolutely. Chop wood, carry water. I love it. Quickly tell us your routine, your morning routine, your daily routine. I love hearing about what people do each morning and how they kind of run their day. Can you talk us through like a quote unquote typical day in your life? I know no two days are ever the same. But some of your rituals and habits and things like that. Well, I don't know what morning is, so because I'm not morning every rise. I watch that word magic. So on my rise, I had to, I had to say that, Melissa. No, you have no truly because we haven't spoken about this a lot on the podcast. Like our words, well, we've spoken about how potent our words are, and you know, good morning. What are you morning? Like my daughter, we say good rising, and so we've got a beautiful statue of Buddha in our garden and she goes out to Buddha and goes good rising and it's so cute it's so beautiful and so yeah this weekend what are we ending you know this morning like our words are so powerful so powerful so I'm glad you brought that up it's interesting the most of the the daily lexicon that has been passed on through the English language is revolved around death you know from weekdays to w- the wake right which is a celebrate which is a, basically the death ritual to the morning of loss to the mortgage i mean it's all death related and it's like what the hell how do we get in this whole thing so um again that's another topic so my early rise begins at night you know so i'm i'm basically making sure that my body is not filled with food before I go to sleep, first and foremost. 
and I'm not activated with stress and all kinds of stuff. And I've obviously mitigated all the damaging light and all the different frequencies that can disturb my body's ability to go to sleep. I'm making sure that I'm in a pitch dark room and the temperature is somewhere around 65 Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius. You know, so it's a very cool temperature. You know, those are those are really important. I'm not drinking a lot of water at night, so I don't have to wake up throughout the night. And I'm getting at least, you know, seven and a half, eight hours of deep, rejuvenated sleep. And then when I rise, I'm rising with no alarm. I'm on my own self-biological clock. My circadian is pretty intact. And I'm immediately hydrating with 30 ounces of spring water with a little bit of Celtic sea salt and uh, molecular hydrogen. I get out onto the earth and um, the sun is you know, coming around this cliff over here and I'm getting sunlight into my eyes. I'm getting my feet on the earth. I'm moving my body. I'm shaking it up and um, I'm doing kind of a, a review on the dreams that I just went through. It's really important that we monitor what we're dreaming and we take it into consideration. So I spend time kind of analyzing what I just experienced. You know, we, one third of our life, sometimes more, we're dreaming in this in this incarnation. That's a big deal. And so to analyze them, self-analyzation is really healthy for me and healthy for everyone if they do it. And then I usually break my fast with uh, some matcha and some fruit and... At that point, I'm prepared for what my day looks like. And I get my mind ready for that while I'm, you know, jumping on a rebounder or listening to some, you know, soundscape music and things like that. This is usually all ending around 7.45 a.m. And then right around that time is when I'm, I'm getting to work. And I have all my deliverables, my calls and all that kind of stuff. And at that point, I'm on the grind. But I get my stretches in, I get my movement in, I get some good breath in, I reflect on the night, I'm hydrated. You know, maybe I'm rolling around on the ground a little bit, stretching. I do some extension exercises for my back. So I'm just getting the spine decompressed. So a lot of back stuff, things like that. And gratitude, you know, just gratitude for another day alive. Beautiful. So lovely. Well, I am incredibly grateful for this beautiful conversation. I think that you have to come to Australia and we can do yes. an in-person one and we can go for hours. Uh, you're always welcome. This has just been so incredible. We are like the same. We are the same. And I feel like we could go down. So We need an episode for each topic that we've spoken about. <laughs> but this right. has been so amazing. I am so grateful for your time today. And for the work that you're doing in the world, you are bravely walking this path before a lot of people. And it's it's not for the faint-hearted. You know, some of the things that you speak about aren't for the faint-hearted. And it's big. And I want to acknowledge you for that because I know it's not easy all the time. And I'm so grateful that you're blazing that trail and for your incredible products that you put out into the world for people like me to get. So thank you so much. This has been such a dream. I have loved this conversation and you're always welcome back on the show. And I think you need to write a book. 
I'm in the process of that. So that's happening right now. And Melissa, thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm honored to be a guest here. And however I can lend any advice or anything, I'm just here as everyone's brother. And we're in this together fully. So thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I truly hope that this episode has inspired you to take your health and not just your physical health, but your mental health to the next level. Remember that there are so many things that we can do each day, little things that we can do each day that add up to big results or big consequences. It's our choices every single day, these little choices, whether to grab the smoothie or to grab the coffee. You know, there's so many little things that we can do each day that really move the needle, that make a huge impact in our overall health and wellness. Guys, I am going for 120 and I want to be doing yoga all the way to the end. So if you want to join me on that, we've got to do the things today. It's the little things that we do today that make the most impact. So I really hope you got a lot out of this conversation. And if you loved it as much as I did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I absolutely love hearing from you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of you and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.